Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Podcast. Today, Pastor Rex Johnson brings to us a special standalone message. With today's sermon entitled, Raising Godly Families in a Godless World, here is lead Pastor Rex Johnson. I'm going to talk today on raising godly families in a godless world. I'm going to talk about that today. I don't have long to do it, but I'm going to speak on it today. From Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. That's all one sentence, and it took him two verses to say it. Moses didn't know how to stop. He didn't know how to use punctuation. Hear, O Israel, hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. But he brought us out, verse 23, from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. I'm I'm teaching today on raising godly families in a godless world. Say, Pastor, I'm with you today. And you may be seated. God bless your awesome people. I appreciate the privilege. Uh, So a group of expectant fathers were in a waiting room and their wives were in the process of delivering babies. And a nurse came in and announced to one man that his wife had just given birth to twins. He said, that's quite a coincidence, he responded. I play for the Minnesota Twins. Another nurse came in and announced to the second man that he was a father of triplets. And he said, that's amazing. I work for the 3M company. And at that point, the third man fainted. When he came to somebody asked him if he was feeling ill, he said, no, I just happened to work for the 7-Up company. Ah, <laughs> uh, family. An EMT was working in an emergency room when a father brought in his son, and the boy had poked a tire from one of his little toy trucks up his nose. And the father was embarrassed, but the EMT assured him that there was something that kids often do, and so the technician quickly removed the tire, and the father and the son were on their way. But a few minutes later, the father was back in the ER and asked to talk to the EMT in private. The father was taken to the examining room where he began, while we're on our way home, I was looking at that little old tire, and I was wondering how on earth did my son get that thing up in his nose? Then he went on to explain what the problem was, and fortunately, it only took the EMT just a few seconds to get it out of his dad's nose, out of the dad's nose. Duh. I once read a true story of a woman who had been learning to play golf. You know, an old, an old attorney told me one time that golf is an acronym that stands for gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. And he, he went on to say, the only thing's worse than a woman on the golf course is a man that brought her. I just thought I'd say that. I'm just passing that on. <laughs> and she had, been, she had been at it for about a month when her father-in-law invited her to go golfing with him. And after teeing off on one of the holes, her father-in-law was trying to find his ball that he had sliced into the rough. 
And meanwhile, the woman concentrating deeply on her shot was unaware of his position. And her shot was a low whistling ball that passed within inches of his head. And he instinctively dropped to the ground. And almost immediately, the woman ran up to him and blurted out, I would have warned you, but I couldn't remember the number to yell. <laughs> what number? What was she supposed to yell? The number is not a number. It's the word for, F-O-R-E. <laughs> now, of course, we all know it's not a number. We're not sure why golfers yell that word. There's about three different theories, but nonetheless, she didn't. You know why? She didn't yell for because she forgot. She forgot. She endangered someone's life because she forgot. Forgetting things can be dangerous, folks. It really can. If you forget to put oil in your car, you can ruin the engine. If you forget to turn off the burner of the stove, you can burn down your house. If you forget your anniversary, I'm glad to remind you, my wife and I took a little anniversary trip. I didn't forget it. Hallelujah. Here we are in Deuteronomy chapter 6. God's telling us that if, he, if we want to have the kind of family that will make us proud, we want to have a godly home, then we need to remember certain things. We need to teach our family to remember these things. A Sunday school teacher asked her group of children if any of them could quote the entire 23rd Psalm, and a little four-year-old girl raised her hand and said, I can. The teacher was a bit skeptical, but she said, okay, you really can quote the entire Psalm? And the little girl smiled and said she could. And then she said, the Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. <laughs> we live in a godless world that wants to take God out of government. I need a little help. Yeah. Wants to take God out of schools. Yeah. Wants to take God out of part of the public arena. Yeah. And so it has been increasingly important that we realize our children need to hear that the Lord can be their shepherd. And that he can be all they ever want or need in their lives. Amen. Robert Cole said this, I think that what children in the United States desperately need is a moral purpose. Everybody say moral purpose. And a lot of our children here aren't getting that. They're not getting a moral purpose. What they are getting are parents who are very concerned about getting them in the right colleges and buying the best clothes for them and giving them an opportunity to live in the best neighborhoods where they'll live Nice and affluent lives where they can be given the best toys, go on interesting vacations and all sorts of things. And parents work hard these days and they're acquiring things that they feel are important for their children. But God told Israel to remember to teach their families God concepts. Not world concepts, but God concepts. And he told them to remember that the Lord their God was one God. Amen. He wasn't going to share with any other gods. And he said that God had brought them out of slavery and that God had given them blessings that they didn't deserve, wells they didn't dig, houses they didn't build, and fields they didn't plant. And God said, I want you to put this everywhere that a child could look. Put it everywhere. He said, when you sit down, talk it. When you walk, say it. When you lay down, speak it. When you rise up, let it be known. Bind it as a sign upon your hand. Let it be a frontlet between your eyes. And write these things on the post of the gate. So when your kid's leaving the home, he still knows that God is my God. God is my shepherd. And that's all I want. The commitment to God, God told them, would give their families advantages over other nations that were to come. By contrast, if they did not make this their priority, it was possible 
to set a family up for failure in their life. I read something the other day that affected me so very greatly. It was simply this, 10 top ways, the top 10 ways to turn your kids off to church. I'm going to be very speedily with these. I'm not going to be David Letterman. I'm going to be real fast. He said, you got to schedule personal or family events to conflict with church service and activity and always put church second. Don't get too close to anyone in church. Refrain from developing Christian relationships for your kids. Look often at your watch during worship and complain bitterly. Look annoyed or freak out when church lasts longer than you thought it should or the preacher preached too hard on something. Tithe and financially support the church and its mission the same, with the th- same enthusiasm as you pay your taxes on April the 15th. Do the best you can to make sure your kids arise on, t- on time for lessons and soccer and ball and school events. But don't worry if they miss or are late to church. Bring your family to church only when you have nothing better to do. Only when you have a personal need or only when you feel really guilty. Don't volunteer for anything or make any kind of long-term commitment to church. Remember, you've got to keep your options open to do things that are more important. And about every three years, change churches so your kids will get used to another church. Remind your kids how imperfect your church is and how bald-headed your pastor is and how much bluebell he eats and how large he is. And regularly point out the mistakes of people in the church. And whatever you do, don't let church influence the way you live your life. Somebody needs to help me preach right now. It's important that God is number one in our kids' life. It's important that church is a priority in our children's life. And it's important that they understand that God is real in our future. Somebody help me now. Let me tell you how important children are. Let me tell you. There's two kings in the Old Testament I want you to study when you go home. The first is named Joash. Joash was a young man who was a part of what they call the seed royal. He had a grandmother named Athaliah that wanted the throne worse than she wanted to eat her next meal. And the Bible said she killed all the seed royal. She had all the seed killed except Joash. You know what happened to Joash? He was hid in the house of God by a high priest for seven long years. And she couldn't find him. She went everywhere looking for him, but she forgot to look at church. The greatest place you can hide your children is in the house of God. The greatest place you can hide your children is in a sanctuary called God's house. Bring those children to church. Hell can't get to your kids in the house of God when you really bring them and bring them to the sanctuary. And when he was seven years old, they brought him out of hiding and marched him straight to the throne and Joash became king of all of Israel. I'm telling you, kids are important. Hell wanted to destroy a baby. The next child was a boy named Josiah. He was eight years old when he took the throne. Guess what happened to him? There was an unnamed prophet 350 years before he was born that prophesied that Israel was going to be in shambles. Israel's family and, 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 their, and their whole family was going to be worshiping Baal. And there was all, going to be all kind of false gods. But there was going to come a king. There was going to come a young man. 
and he called him by name. There was going to be a young man that was going to come that would absolutely defy everybody, turn Israel back to righteousness, turn Israel back to worship of the one true God, turn Israel back to honoring God and rebuild the rubble of the house of God. They found the law, they rebuilt the house and Josiah had 31 years of righteous reign. Here's what I'm telling you. Hell wants your children. He wants to destroy and he wants to maim. But I'm telling you, God has promised some things for your kids and you brought your kids to the house of God today. Why don't you let that child be blessed by the hand of the Lord and by the favor of God starting today at baby dedication? It's amazing. It's amazing how bad hell wants your children and how greatly God wants to use you kids. He grew up in Germany. He loved his dad. His father led them to the synagogue faithfully. In his teen years, his family moved to another town. They changed churches. Popular people of the town went to that church and so the daddy needed business and he did it for business purposes. And the boy's life gave way from frustration to anger. He left Germany and went to England to study. While there he wrote a book. He described religion as the opiate for the masses. Yeah. He encouraged the people who followed him to live their lives without God. Became the founder of the communist movement and a godless society. His name is Karl Marx. Raised in a synagogue. Raised in church. And yet became angry and bitter because his parents did not have the right purpose in why they went to the house of God. Somebody needs to clap your hands this morning and say, I'm glad I'm in church. I want my kids to feel glad that they're in church. When I was a young boy, when I was a young boy, my dad was my hero and he still is my hero. I buried him five years ago in January and I wish you could have known my dad, you that are new members of this church. He told me over and over again stories about his life. I love my dad's stories. I used to say, Daddy, would you tell me some more stories? I loved hearing them. Now, they weren't all God's stories, but somehow dad always wove God into the stories. They were stories of his youth, the days of him playing basketball. He was a star. He was a star baseball pitcher and going to the Navy and fighting in World War II and farming and et cetera. And these stories all shaped the way I looked at life and the world and myself because my dad shaped my world by the stories that he told. And I never remember us having a problem about going to church. I never remember that. I just know when church time came, it was time to suit up and show up because dad and mom just did it. It was a part of their routine. And he always used to tell me how the Lord had helped us out. I remember my dad laying hands. I know this sounds so stupid to some people, but our car would not start. And dad said, God, I've tried everything to fix it, heal this car. He got in and started it so we could go to the house of God. Amen. I remember how he talked about bringing him through sickness and when he was burned very bad from a tractor fire and dad had scars on his body from his waist down for, for all of his life from burns and how he, God had kept his hand on him through bad times. Here's what my daddy taught me through his stories. He taught me lessons that our families must teach our children so our kids will never forget. Number one, you've got to teach your kids to have a personal relationship with the Lord. You've got to understand that you can't live your life, your, God's life for your kids. They must 
they must be attached to the Lord themselves. But you've got to show them how to live for God. When it comes time to clap your hands in church, you don't need to refrain. When it comes time to praise God in the house, you don't need to refrain. When it comes time to say grace over the table, dad, grab a hand and bow your head and pray for a blessing over the family. When it comes time to say blessings at night, pull those kids under your arm and say, God, I want to show favor on these kids. I want you to bless these children. I promise you, don't force them to live for God. Show them how to live for God and how to have a personal relationship with that God. Number two, you got to teach your kids to love the Lord. And the way you do that is you love him yourself. You got to love God. My wife and I went by Brad and Cass's house the other day. We got home Friday from our little anniversary trip. Thank you for letting us go and missing Wednesday night. We appreciate it. But we went by Brad and Cass. We had to see them grandkids and those grandkids. And little Fendi was over there. And the only ones we missed was our two older ones. And they're cool and they, they hang loose, you know. They'll see me later. <laughs> but when I walked in the house, there was little Finley there. And then Brad, little five-year-old boy and Brad and Cass. And then little two-year-old girl and little, little one-month-old daughter. And Brad looked at me and said, Dad, if Cass ever asked me for four kids, just shoot me, okay? Just shoot me. And I said, oh, y'all need four or five or six, son. That's all right. Yeah, this too shall pass. But, but I called him. I, I called him when I got home. And I, I picked up the phone. I called him. And I was broken. And I said, Brad, listen to me. If you never pastor a big church, if you never have the opportunity to preach to masses of people, the greatest success you could ever have in your life is those three little kids that call you daddy and call Cass mother. And you're putting something in their spirit that hell can't take out. That's what it's all about, Brad. It's not about pleasing the masses. It's loving God in your family. You need to teach your children to obey the Lord. The way you do that is obey the Lord yourself. You need to teach your kids to remember the Lord. Tell them, son, don't ever forget what God has done. Don't ever forget what the Lord has done. You see these stones? You see these stones by this river? That's where God brought us through the Jordan. You see those stones? Don't ever lose the sight of those stones. That's what God did for our family. That's what God's done for our lives. Do you see what he's happened? Do you see what's happened to us? It can happen to you. God wants to take you through situations. He wants to bring you through some waters of your own. And I want you to put stones there and tell your kids, never forget the stones. Never forget what God's done for you because God's been mighty good to all of us. Been mighty good to all of us. See, there's a danger of forgetting God. There's a danger of forsaking God. When a nation forgets God, it begins to ask questions like, who is God? But when a nation forsakes God, it begins to ask questions like, who needs God? This happened to the nation of Israel. So they became independent. Then they went into indulgence. Then into indifference. Into an irreverence. But in, in God's sight, they were never insignificant. And God let them come back again and again and again. See, this country, we have gone to the gods of hedonism. We've gone to the gods of materialism, the gods of intellectualism, the god of humanism, and the god of secularism. And it's time, it's time for our country to be unfractured. It's time because our country is falling and it's failing. And there's only one solution. We have to strengthen our families with the word of God. 
and with the responsibility of the parents, not the community, not the state, not the government. It has to start in churches. There's two things I want to share with you before I conclude today because we're going to dedicate a bunch of children, so I'm, I'm not going to preach real long today. I never do anyhow. What did I even say that for? There's two things I know. Number one, I love God. I do love the Lord. I love Him. God's brought me through so much. I love God. I love God. And the second thing I I know for a fact is that I love y'all. I love people. I truly love people. And it's an honor to be a pastor of people that care enough about their children and their families to bring their babies to dedicate today. And I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, it means the world to me to say prayers and blessings over your children today. There was an earthquake in Armenia back in the 20th century, back in about 1988. It's an old story. I've told it before in this church years ago. Samuel and Danielle sent their young son Armand off to school and Samuel looked at his son that morning and he said, son, I want you to have a good day at school. Remember, no matter what, I'll always be there for you. They hugged the boy, ran off to school and hours later, a powerful earthquake over seven on the Richter rocked the area. And in the midst of the pandemonium, Samuel and Danielle tried to discover what happened to their son but couldn't get any information from the school or any place. The city was a mess. The radio announced that there were thousands of casualties and Samuel then grabbed his coat and headed for the schoolyard. When he reached the area, he saw Armand's school in a pile of debris and other parents were standing around crying and Samuel found a place where Armand's classroom used to be and began to pull out a broken beam in a, in, off the pile of rubble. Then he grabbed a rock and put it to the side and he grabbed another big rock and pushed it aside. And one of the parents looked and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm digging for my son. And the man then said, you're just going to make things worse. The building is unstable. He tried to pull Samuel away from the work, but Samuel, was, his jaw was set and he kept working. As time wore on, one by one, the other parents left, and then the firefighter tried to pull Samuel away from the rubble. And Samuel looked at him and said, won't you help me? And the firefighter left and Samuel kept digging. And all through the night and to the next day, Samuel continued digging. And parents placed flowers and pictures of their kids on the ruins but Samuel just kept on digging and kept on working. Finally, as he picked up a beam and pushed it out of the way, he heard a faint cry, help, help. Samuel listened but didn't hear anything again. Then he heard a muffled voice, Papa? <laughs> and he began to dig furiously. Finally, he could see his son. Come on out, son. He said with relief, no, said Armand, let the other kids come out first because I know you'll always be there for me. Amen. Child after child emerged until finally little Armand appeared. Samuel took him up in his arms and Armand said, I told the other kids not to worry. Because you told me, Daddy, you'd always be there for me. Fourteen children were saved that day because one father was faithful.
wow. Wow. You know, heroes are not braver than everybody else. They're just braver a minute longer. That's all. And there's going to come times when you and your children are going to find impasses and you're going to find deep gulches and riverbeds that you can't get out of. You're going to say, how are we going to get past this? The Lord is my shepherd. And that's all I need. Hallelujah. You hear me. I can't tell you in words. I just have to show you in actions. God is all we need in our life. He's all we need. Put your trust. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.